Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the Believe in the Cowboys podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sports. Sportsbook experts. I'm Paul Catalina, alongside former Cowboys cornerback Orlando Scandrick. And Orlando, here we are uh, talking about a Cowboys win, thirty to seven over the Bengals yesterday. And the Bengals, um, you know, that's a that's a that's a bad team. There's two bad teams playing yesterday. The Cowboys, Andy Dalton uh, played really solid. Uh, they got a lot of turnovers. The defense, uh, you know, really made some plays. So uh, that was a, a kind of a fun game to watch. Although there are a lot of problems I saw outside of that thirty to seven win. Yeah, um, you know, I, the Bengals, whew, they just – they're really bad. Um, they turned over three times in the first three drives. Um, but all three times led to Cowboys points. And at the end of the game, they still had a chance. And then Brandon Allen gets kind of banged up. Um, he was all over the place all day. He was either hit or miss. Made some decent throws, and he made some really – some head scratchers. But, I mean, um, nonetheless, it was good for those Cowboys to get – a win in the win column. It always feels good to win, and it's hard to win in the NFL. Kind of set them back a little bit on draft picks, but I'm, I don't, I don't know if that, if we're more interested in where they pick and how high they draft than they are. But nonetheless, it was a good win for them, and you know, hopefully, they did some things that they can build on in that game. But there also was still some glaring, glaring deficiencies. Well, yeah, uh, you're right on the draft pick. I think, I think that's the outside world wants them to have you know, the third pick or the fourth pick. And, you know, at this point, that's going to be really tough for them to get. I mean, even if they lose out, I mean, you know, are is somebody that's worse than them, say the Bengals or the Jaguars, going to go on a tear? No. The Jets aren't going to go on a tear. You know, nope, that's not going to happen. So uh, they're probably where they're going to be, you know, regardless of what happens in these last three games. And, you know, maybe, maybe they do get hot, but, I, you know, they're not playing good teams down the stretch. It's – San Francisco, Philly, and New York, um, you know, all of them are about you know, in the same spot. So um, some a little worse than others. But you mentioned, like, some of the things uh, that, that stuck out as, as deficiencies, and I don't want to be negative right off the bat, but it's a huge concern is that, you know, the Cowboys coaching staff clearly does not trust Zeke Elliott to get two yards right now. And that sends off alarm bells for a guy you're paying $15 million to. You I, wouldn't know? Say, I wouldn't say they don't trust him, but – Philosophically, what they are and what they have developed into this season, I think that doesn't call for them to run the ball. I mean, I think whatever it is, whether it's analytics, because Mike McCarthy went off and learned these great analytics, whatever it is, you know, whether it's analytically or philosophically, they don't want to run the ball on short yardage. 
Yeah. Uh, well, they didn't do it uh, towards uh, near the goal line yesterday. And uh, look, I Zeke's also a little banged up. Uh, you know, he's had hamstring and calf issues this year. I'm not. I'm not ready to you know hit the panic button on Zeke just yet. But it does concern me that uh, you know Mike McCarthy has a philosophy that's not maybe in line, like you said, with Zeke's abilities. Yeah, I mean, but they knew that. I think you know, even Jerry said it. You know, we we came in with a plan, and you know, obviously, we didn't have enough time to implement our plan, and um, hopefully, you know, then off season they get together and you know figure it out. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's something they're gonna have to to worry about. I mean, there are <laughs> there are websites. Um, a friend of mine sent this to me yesterday. Like tons of websites that are like trade Zeke. And, like, people have gotten websites and registered names. I'm like, I don't know why you would do that right now. I think that the biggest issue is the Cowboys need to find out in the offseason is a philosophical direction. Jerry acknowledged that much late last week when he said that from the beginning, defensively, they messed up. They didn't do it right. They didn't, they didn't from the jump, they didn't start. So that's something they need to look at, you know, top down. Like, what is your philosophy moving forward? And really what's your philosophy as opposed to, what it feels like to me is Jerry just kind of liked Mike McCarthy and was willing to like kind of put it in his hands and not get into the details of this. That's what it feels like to me at this point. Now, I don't know that to be true, but that's, that's how this season has looked to me as if they hired this and they didn't really plan out like, okay, well, what do we have that, you know, what do we have that jives with what he does? Yeah. I think that, you know, he kind of fell in love with type of the leader of men that he was and, and um, you know, and he hired him. And now he's kind of stuck with him. You know, he made a large financial commitment to him, I'm sure, you know, to lure him to Dallas. And they're going to have to see what year, year two brings. And hopefully year two is better than year one. Yeah, there are a, lot of, a lot of things will be different. But uh, I do think, and Orlando, you've been in this situation before where, you know, you're at the end of, of what could be. And I know that there's still, you know, slight possibilities they can get in the playoffs. I don't really want to get in it. Like, there's, you know, they need too much help to me to really oh, that, consi- that, consider There's no it. possibility they're getting yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, like it's a better possibility of the season getting canceled due to COVID than them getting in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they. I think that they, um, I you know, like people want to talk about that and they get excited every time the Cowboys. You know, the four times the Cowboys have won a game this year, but uh, let's uh, let's only talk about the playoffs if all of the unrealistic things happen in the order that have to happen for them to get in by winning in the last week, which is probably what would have to happen. So, um, that. There, uh, there's just so much, you know, here to to unpack with the Cowboys. But uh, the positives, though, like they did play hard. They did the defense. You know, they beat a team that like they have better talent than uh, on defense. Like, that that is something that was good to me. But you've been in this before at the, at the end of the season. How much of an emotional boost is that going to the off season to know that like it's not just a wash with the people out there on the field and that you can go out and win games, win games. And it pretty much is a wash, though. I mean, yeah. I guess, but not for the players. It's a wash for the, the, the fan base. It's a wash, you know, for, I guess, the rest of the league. But organizationally, it's not a wash because you get to see, you know, who can play and who has potential moving forward. And for the players, you get a chance to prove and, and improve your resume and prove that you should be a part of that organization going forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, the, the biggest bright spot is they created turnover. They forced fumbles. They recovered fumbles. Not something they've done a lot of lately. I don't, I don't know if they forced fumbles, um, Paul. If you look at the, <laughs> the first one, the Marcus, guy, for, for, Marcus forced a fumble. Yeah. The second one, the guy ran into the back of another guy and just dropped <laughs> it. And then the third one, 
the guy gains the first down yardage on the edge and just doesn't secure the ball. But, I mean, we knew that was going to be a problem coming into the season because if you really look at it, this the amount of reps that these players have had, it's just would probably just be the first quarter of the season if you would have had OTAs and had a, a regular training camp. And then, you know, during the week, we don't even know what practices look like because of COVID and, you know, what meetings look like because you don't have much real individual meeting time because you either have to be social distance or do it electronically. It's just, just been an odd year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's why, you know, like I, I, I kind of know how I feel about Mike McCarthy as a hire. I mean, I, I don't think it was the right one, but I can't just say that he's not going to be successful or, or all that seeing as all like that, this has given him, like, that's the only benefit of the doubt I'm giving him as the coach right now. But there are a lot of things, like, in the past few years at Green Bay and then now that lead me to believe that maybe Mike McCarthy is not, you know, with today's game, and that's what concerns me moving forward. But uh, they're going to make – they're going to have to make changes in the offseason if they want to get out of this, this fog that they're in. But uh, all those things that you mentioned are reasons to be like, well, you know, let's see what he can do with hopefully a normal offseason next year. Yeah, very much it's true. I mean, um, see what they do with the normal offseason, see what they do um, from a coaching perspective moving forward because they're going to have to act fast on that because you have the senior bowl coming up, and I'm not sure what the direction the college is going in with the senior bowl, but I know that's a great opportunity to, to see players up close and personal. Then you have the combine coming up, and then you'll have free agency and then the draft. I mean, you would like to have some direction soon so you can pick the players to satisfy that scheme. Yeah, I know that the uh, – like, I wonder if they'll do the Senior Bowl, like, practices, but not really do the game, you know, if they'll do that. I have no idea. Yeah, um, I mean, there's, like, I see all the but time. But if you're going to practice, why not do the game? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but the practices are what's more important, right? Yeah, but the game, is, the game is, you know, this whole thing came down to money. The game is, yeah. you know, it's a revenue generator. Um, their advertisement sponsors I'm I'm sure they're going to want to you know play the game yeah I know I know a bunch of people have been invited and are going to the senior bowl or I mean at least now and again that remains to be seen obviously the the first vaccines got delivered today Orlando so let's not wood that 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 goes quickly (laughs) yeah I'll get I'll get one sometime in July or uh, October of next year Oh, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in anyone's like high priority list. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but hopefully, uh, that, that helps things and, and moves things along and gets us out of this, this, uh, this crazy pandemic. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to, that they have to do. And, um, I do think that once the season's over, they're going to have to like definitely make a decision quick on Mike Nolan. And I don't, I don't see any reason to bring him back. You know, like like the Bengals game and the Vikings game. Let's not let's not uh, let's not get it muddled that he you know two out of the what ultimately will be sixteen games he had a he had an okay defense like that's that's a terrible percentage and the players don't look like they know what they're doing at all and several times during the season they haven't known their sub packages they don't know what's going on like there's chaos over there. I think if they do bring him back, it's Mike McCarthy um, convincing Jerry that. You know, they can get better, and it's a loyalty thing. I think if they don't bring them back, it's serious self-evaluating and saying, you know what, we made the wrong decision. Let's move forward. Yeah, and I would, you know, I want them to bring back a 4-3 guy because they have 4-3 players on that defense. 
mean, I just want them to bring back a guy that can adapt and adjust, a guy that can get the best out of them. You know, that, that's the best thing that can happen is they can adapt, adjust, and get the best out of the players, whether it be a 4-3 guy, whether it be a multiple guy. Hell, whether it be a 3-4 guy that's willing to lean towards 4-3 because the realism of the situation is they don't run much base anyways. This is an 11 personnel league, so 3-4 and 4-3 doesn't really matter. You're going to be four down on in your sub packages anyways, and it's just you have to have somebody that's philosophically fitting what the players that they have. And right now, I don't think from a philosophical standpoint, Mike Nolan fits what they have. No, and that's clear. And that, like, they just haven't gotten the most out of out of anyone uh, this year at all. And that, that, look, um, they, they uh, we talked about defensive tackle on the last one. Like, really, where they're going to have to, you know, if they want it, like any whatever scheme they're in, that's a position that you know we've talked about the secondary at length. Whatever scheme they're in, that's a position that has to get way better, way better to help the pass rush, to help the run game, all of it. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, Paul. Yeah. Um, like I said, the only thing about that draft pick going down is, you know, the players, you know, the talent drops off after about the top, sometimes three, sometimes five. And um, the guy that, no, I would love to see him get is Patrick Sertain. And I just don't think that, you know, with them winning a few games at the end of the year, he's going to be around by the time they draft. No, a lot of, I mean, a lot of, you know, projections have him going third. I mean, you know. It's, and, and you would hate to give up more draft capital and I don't even think you're in a position to give up more draft capital to be able to move forward but then again you know if Jerry Jones wants a player or if the Cowboys want a player they always go get him yeah um they did that for Morris Claiborne um I'm trying to think recently have they moved up uh no and look a lot of times I'm of the philosophy you know I I like what the Steelers do they rarely draft you know they, they rarely trade up they just you know, the Ravens, the same, the Ravens have traded back into the first round. So it's probably not a, a good example, but you know, if you're picking 17th, you're picking 17th and that's what they do. And they, they preserve their draft capital that way. Um, now I know it's been a long time since they won a Super Bowl, but you know, I, I kind of adhere to their, you know, I like that they're consistent in their front office. They're consistent at their head coach. They don't like, they don't change their philosophy every three or four years. I like mm-hmm. that. I think that that like that's why I love about the Ravens is like they they know exactly like Ozzie Newsome you know was a great GM now he's like you know above that and and the I guess Eric Costa now that's their GM that's just a fantastic job and they're consistent in what they want like this is what we like this is what we want these are the kind of players we want this is what our draft strategy is and it doesn't change year to year and the the teams that are so tumultuous are the ones that you know and th- th- I think this has been Jerry's big drawback as a GM is that you know he he likes to ride the wave of what's popular in the NFL and or what what he's excited about and that might not be the the best direction to go if he had just kind of stayed the course maybe maybe it wouldn't have been 25 years but you know since they've won a Super Bowl oh absolutely um you know, they're going to have to find some consistency. And I know they, they know that they have to find some consistency. I think that with Jason Garrett, I think that he just ran its course. Um, you know, just didn't think it was working for Dallas. I think they wanted to do something to spark their fan base, you know, to get everybody excited. They didn't foresee, nor did I, nor did you foresee COVID hitting, not having some games with no fans, having reduced fans when you do have fans, and then just having no offseason. So it's kind of a, this season was kind of, kind of flew by and it also kind of was something special and at the same time very very odd sorry about that you hear my dog barking in the background i guess the mailman's here or something mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, he was going nuts or he just really agrees with what you just said orlando 
he is that excited about about the podcast. But uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I like there's all there's all these factors, but you know, and I think it comes down to to me. I don't like. I know that the talent drops off, and like Patrick Sertan would be like that would be great for for them to get for them to get him. But uh, I I just want to see them not overthink it and get the best player that they need available. You know, I don't want them to do like well, they need oh, a lot. You know. Like, I don't want to get excited and draft Kyle Pitts from Florida. While that would be excellent, I mean, like, it's going to be another weapon for Dak, but, like, that's not really what they need right now, you know. Oh, they, they need a lot. They, I mean, I think they know. I think this is, you look to see this be a, a, a heavy draft, heavy defensive draft, um, and that's another reason why I feel like that they need to get the right guy in that's going to lead their defense for the next two to three years or that they think is going to lead their defense for the next two to three years, because this window is closing here. You're going to be paying Dak a hell of a lot of money soon. You're already playing, paying Amari Cooper and Zeke Elliott a lot of money. Um, you're, you're still paying Zach Martin top dollar. You're paying Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins handsomely. And, you know, you've drafted some offensive line in the middle rounds over the past few years. So you look to see him, you know, try and match, match that defense. Also you're, on that defense year, you've paid, you made Demarcus Lawrence your highest defensive player of all time, and that window is closing. So you like to you would like to see them and look to see them draft for the defense for to find some defensive playmakers. Yeah, and and the defense has been a little bit in flux. I mean, and and that you know Rod Marinelli, um, uh, they made a couple picks for him and, and Taco Charlton, who didn't fit what they were doing and didn't work out. And then, I was I was there for that one, and I remember saying I remember talking to Leon Lett and saying. Why in the hell would we pick Taco Charlton Tarleton over JJ Watt? I mean, I'm sorry. TJ. See, I hate doing this. TJ, I do this often. Yeah. I do this often on TV too. I, I get ahead of myself before TJ Watt. And to correct me, we did select Taco Charlton over TJ Watt, correct? Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, like I read a whole bunch of stuff online about. Uh, when the Steelers came in this year and people, you know, I think, uh, and Steven Jones, even they asked him about it because, you know, Taco's gone and Steven Jones said, look, uh, that's one that I kicked myself for. And he said, we overthought it because they thought TJ Watt was more of a three, four guy. And like you said, you know, uh, your base defenses have changed so much. Like just get the, the guy who's good, you know, <laughs> like just take the good guy and plug him in. And he's that kind of guy. Yeah. So, I just, it was it was nuts. I mean, we didn't even at the time. I don't even think we needed a starter opposite of Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, we had already they had already drafted Randy Gregory. You know, I know he was kind of in flux, but yeah, Randy and you have put so much into to, to Demarcus. You know, you traded up for him, and you go and draft Taco Charlton, and not and yeah, I know Stephen wants to kick himself and. Jerry too, but I think that was a Rob Marinelli thing. Yeah, um, and sometimes look, and sometimes you get you know the coach likes a guy, and his voice is in the room, and they respect that coach, which obviously Rod Marinelli carries a lot of respect in the league. Yeah, I get it. Uh, and same thing they did with Tristan Hill. Like Tristan Hill is their second round pick, you know, in uh, in 2019, and you know he played he healthy scratch almost every single game in his rookie season, and then. Um, played a little bit this year on a very bad defense and, and tore his ACL. So, uh, you know, it's going to be proven time for him next year in his third year. Absolutely. And, and just not to harp on this, but I, I got to go back to this. So I'm, I'm looking at this 2017 draft and, um, you know, they go and draft Taco Charlton before 
TJ Watt. Kevin King has been a, you know, serviceable player in this league. Ooh, Buddha Baker. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's easier to say after the fact, but that there's some real players that came out of this. The Saints got Marcus Williams, who's a starting safety for them. The Jets got Marcus May, who's made plays for them. I mean, it's just, man, you, you look at yourself, and this is truly some some head scratchers. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. Like, Buda, Buda Baker for me, especially since I've wanted them to get a safety like that, that they can move around and, and do all the things that Buda Baker does. I've wanted that for a long time. Uh, and, and they haven't had that for a long, long time. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, they um, – you know, like, at cornerback, it seems like they, you know – they they don't ever want to drop like they they don't ever want to drop down, you know below having like first and second round draft picks, you know at, at least a couple of the the positions. But safety is one for years that, I mean yeah, after but, but, after sensible after sensible and uh, and Barry Church wasn't a high draft pick, but but we talked about this though, yeah. and I thought about it after we talked about it, and we were both wrong. They went out and drafted Byron Jones in the first round. Yeah, and well, then they moved him to corner though. So I keep thinking I mean, but he was drafted in the first round to, to play safety. So they yeah. put the the resources into him at the safety position. And it, when it didn't work out for whatever reason, they moved in the corner only to let him move on to Miami. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, keep, I, I I'm always going to wonder if they're going to, they're going to kick themselves for not figuring out a way to make that work with him or making different financial decisions so they can keep him. But you know, yeah. that's in the past. And, you know, that Dolphins secondary spends a lot. I mean, the, the two cornerbacks they have are the two highest paid in the league. Well, I guess now that Jalen Ramsey, but are two of the highest paid in the league with, uh, with Xavier Howard and, uh, and, and Byron Jones. So, mm -hmm. and Xavier Howard can play. Uh, so, had a one hundred interception again yesterday. So, uh, but they, yeah, yeah the, you know, uh, but teams, you know, and the, but the Dolphins right now can spend a whole bunch on that because they have a whole bunch of young players all over the place elsewhere. They've had a ton of draft, like their offensive line. They've got three rookies starting the offensive line right now, you know, so they're yeah. not, they're not maxing yeah, so, out the dollars there. Yeah, they don't, I mean, and they, they have a, they don't have a really high paid anything on offense, you know, this middle of the road, I think. Devontae Parker, they paid him a little, but that's not – he's not even in the top 10 of receivers pay. And on defense, um, you know, they paid great money for their two corners. But, you know, when you look at the rest of their secondary, they're not really paying anything for them. They, they, let, they let Rasheed Jones go, who was one of the highest paid safeties in the league. But besides that, they're not really spending any money anywhere else. Yeah, you know, and they're, they're seeing – I think they're a year ahead of where they thought they would be in their, in their rebuild. Uh, quite frankly part, part of that's just because you know look the jets the jets got worse and i didn't think that was possible and the patriots are are now average that tom brady's uh not there anymore. But we we say the patriots are average but we all forget that they have about six to eight yeah. outs on defense this patriots roster is average the patriots yeah, but this, roster this is not the patriots roster that should you're gonna get dante hightower back um you're gonna get a, a different quarterback you're going to get some more off offensive weapons I mean they're you know they they kind of cut back and they they budgeted and they said you know what we're not, we're not going to sell out like we've been selling out with Tom for the last few years because we know we're probably not not there yet but you look I look to see a dip a totally different Patriots next year oh yeah I, I mean like this then that's probably what I should have said this roster is not the Patriots roster that they expected to have or will have in the future. So that's a benefit of the Dolphins and that they're not playing 
a full tilt Patriots roster that had all those guys opt out before the season started. I mean, but let's just let's just talk about it. You know, they had their left tackle, Marcus Cannon opt out, the Pro Bowl linebacker High Hightower, Patrick Chung, Matt Lacrosse, Brandon Bolden, Dan Vitale. You know, those are just some of the names that you know I know, and that, that's a lot of opt outs when you when you think about that. And you know, obviously the Patriots. Um, they've had a certain way of doing it, and you looked for them to kind of fall off just because they lost the leader of their offense, the leader of their team, the face of their franchise. So they were going to kind of be in flux for a little bit, and they didn't – I didn't think they really braced for that like they could have. But um, the Dolphins are, to me, like the Ravens were last year. They kind of caught everybody by surprise. They went and switched. I mean, you, you already have minimal preparation, and they're almost getting to like these college changes – you know, one week, two is in, one week is out. Like, how do you plan for that? And they haven't seen any of him in the preseason. They haven't seen much of him. But once these great defensive coaches and these great coaches put their mind to it, the Dolphins, I look for the Dolphins to have a much tougher road next season. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Orlando, the Cowboys for the 49ers uh, coming up next week uh, or this, this coming game. That'll be an interesting one in that, uh, you know, the, the 49ers are not – they don't have most of their team. I mean, like, they've been injured all season. They've gotten some guys back. Their defense wasn't obviously what they thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. So, uh, that's what we'll talk about in the next podcast. But just some early thoughts before we go on the 49ers up and down season with the injuries they've dealt with. Um, just kind of to touch on that. The 49ers, they were a team that were almost to the top of the pinnacle last year. Then they come back. They have huge expectations. Um, they made some huge offseason decisions, too. They chose to stick with Eric Armstead and move on from Buckner and try to replace Buckner and offset the loss with using a first-round pick on Kinlaw. Um, their, prized, their prized free agent, Quan Alexander, they moved on from him this offseason. And then, you know, they weren't expecting to have the injuries that they've had on the offensive side. They weren't expecting to lose Nick Bosa to an ACL. They haven't, they haven't had D Ford most of this year. Um, they lost Richard Sherman for a good portion of this year. And, you know, they're a team that's fighting. Um, they're either surprisingly good or surprisingly bad, like you said. And this is a game that I look to see, you know, I would look at it as a measuring stick, you know, because they're going to run the ball directly at the Cowboys and they're going to, they still got some guys that can rush the passer. So I look to see this as a measuring stick on how hard the Cowboys are going to play for Mike McCarthy, how hard they're going to play for Mike Nolan. And if they can rally together and put together another W because, you better believe that the 49ers are going to play hard for Kyle Shanahan. They're going to give it everything they have. All right, that's going to do it for us. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you get podcasts on the Believe Podcast Network. We're back again later in the week with a preview of the 49ers. Orlando, have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. Good, you too. Have a great week, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.